Thank you, worship team. Good morning once again, church. Good morning, and it is so good to see you all. Wow, it's a wonderful time of worshiping God together. My name is Toby, um, and I get to serve as a lead pastor here, and just a wonderful privilege to just to be able to see you face-to-face and worshiping God together. So um, how have we been doing in this worship, you know, the sermon series we have in Esther? We've been going through the book of Esther from chapter 1, and today is the conclusion. And, um, you know, I just wanted to kind of get to know what are some of the themes and the, and the lessons that we've been learning from this, uh, chap- these chapters lately. Have you guys? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to ask. <laughs> and uh, any themes that is running through this series that you, you just like highlighted in your life. And that's some of the things that I want you to keep thinking about this. But, you know, just as a review for this series, we've been looking at different areas of these themes that God has been giving us. And one was for sure, God has a sovereign calling in our lives. What is a calling? It is a mission that we, God has given us for our lives. And we saw that in the life of Esther, Mordecai, also, we looked at the fact that integrity matters. Remember that how Mordecai intercepted this assassination plan of the king, and he did what he needed to do. It wasn't uh, rewarded right away, but it, integrity matters. Maybe other themes that you saw in this series was standing up for courage, standing up for justice. That might be a theme that you personally felt strongly about. There's a theme of trusting in God's plan. Trusting in God's victory in a time where it's just hard to trust. That's a theme that, you know, we saw in this series. Today, it has a conclusion of this, uh, of, of this series in Esther. We're looking at a theme of mourning to celebration. Mourning, not good mourning this morning, but this sadness or the sorrow into celebration. Because that is a theme that we want to conclude this we want to end with a note that we are going to continue to celebrate. So um, this last message, however, this morning to celebration, it is a theme that directly leads us to the life of Jesus and what he has done on the cross. As we sang, we've been singing for the past few songs that the, the work of the cross, it directly has a correlation or relation to that. So he is Jesus and he is our victory. He is our hope. And He's the one who transformed your life and the way we live. That is who Christ is. He is the Son of God. And that's what the name we worship for. We praise His name. Isn't that why we came here to praise His name? Amen, church? That is the reason why we're here, because we've been touched by His love. We want to continue to grow in that. And maybe for some, you it is an opportunity where you would encounter that love. Maybe for the very first time. You never know. But that is why we gather and from Him, from Jesus, he, we receive the strength so that we move forward. We could continue to tackle the hills of life and we, as a church, be unified to continue to serve under His mission. Right? So for that reason, we have gathered. So can, we, can I just pray for us real quick as we begin? Let us pray. Jesus, thank You. It is for Your name we have gathered. It is for Your name. We, we lift our voice and shout out praise. We want to thank You for the way You've touched our lives and the ways that you will continue to guide our lives. Right now, we need your guidance, especially in this season of transition, season of a new year, a season that summer is coming to an end, and we have a brand new season coming up. Lord, we look to you right now, this morning as church, coming together under your name. 
Help us to know you more today. Thank you for the strength that you have made it available for us. We want to grasp that. We want to know that more and more. And we just ask for your, uh, just your word to speak into each of our lives. Would you speak to us in Christ? Your name we pray. Amen. So let's look at Esther chapter 9. Let's start from verse 1. This is what it says in Esther chapter 9, verse 1. And it's up here. Yay, it's working. That's great. So let's read this together from the very top. Here we go. On the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, the edict commanded by the king was to be carried out. On this day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, but now the tables were turned and the Jews got the upper hand over those who hated them. Basically, this is a summary of what is going on at the end. And like Pastor Jenny last week who shared who I thought did a wonderful job, Pastor Jenny. Great job. Thank you so much for blessing us. And we look forward to more of that opportunity. But we, she talked about how the Jews have come such a long way. From chapter 3 to chapter 8 is complete turnaround. As we just read, the table has been turned. And it is this completely, this new reality is happening in this scene. That we never imagined just reading up to this. Hey, and it's, it once the Jews was target of persecution. Mordecai was their leader, and however, now things are changing. Mordecai, his reputation is growing. His strength is growing in the city. He is now the right-hand man of the king, not Haman anymore. Mordecai is the one who is just leading his people, and it is getting more powerful. We read that in chapter 9. However, one thing that is important to acknowledge is that the force, this... this, this uh, persecution against the Jews still has not died out completely. Even to this day, there is still these opposition against the Jews. Even after Haman had died at the end of chapter 8, there is these remnants of people who are still against the Jews. So the Jews, together with Mordecai and Esther, had to fight against their opposition that is still existing including Haman's children that are still there. And there was this, this continuous battle that is going on. At the end, we know that Mordecai, Esther, and all the Jewish, the, these people become, came out victorious. We know that. So now this story of victory, this news that they have won, they have completely won against their opposition. That news had to be sent out to all the Jews across the nation. So Mordecai writes, he, he, he orders this, um, this, this news to be spread, not just in Susa, but all over the region that we have overcome our opposition. So he is ordering them to celebrate the day annually. Remember this every year, the news that they are free at last. They don't have to worry about the opposition coming after for their lives. So this is what it says in Esther chapter 9, verse 22. So basically he's saying that to set the 14th and the 15th day of Adar, that is the month that this Jewish calendar was on. So he is saying to set those days as, this is verse 22, as the time when the Jews got relief from their enemies and as the month when their sorrow was turned into joy, their mourning into a day of celebration, he wrote them to observe the days as days of feasting and joy and giving presents of food to one another and gifts to the poor. There's a lot that we could learn from just that line. 
See, because we have the good news of Jesus that he has given his life on the cross. We have the good news, amen? Right? So that drives us to share with others, to do good to others. See, that love that we know that we came down to rescue us, when we know that we have this, this attitude of giving, we have this generosity that is rising up and overflowing from within because we have this good news. We cannot help it. And it says right here, just like the Jews, they're, they're having this feast and celebration, which is what we're doing right now. But then, you know, yesterday, you know, we had this fellowship, we had this feast, and we have this abundance of food, and then we get to share with the new people. That, that came to yesterday. That's the attitude that is written right here. They're just feasting because of this love that is within us of Jesus, right? And then it also says giving presents of food to one another and gifts to the poor. See, when, when we know that there are people who are not as privileged or have the food that we have or, or have the goods that we have, we want to give. We want to give to them. And that is at the core of our church. The Free Methodist Church believes in that, that when it first began, it was to reach out to the poor. That was our basic foundational values of the Free Methodist Church. And that is who we are as Orange Coast Free Methodist Church, and that is in our DNA. And it is, it is a value that has been carried on from the times of Esther and even beyond, but it is something that happens within. So that is an application that we could take home. Absolutely. Let's continue to do that. Let's reach out to the community. Let's reach out and share the things that we have to the community and to the poor. Let's, let us not be afraid to share our hands and what we have. Well, going back to Esther, verse 28 says this, These days should be remembered and observed in every generation, by every family, in every province, and in every city. And these days of Purim should never fail fail to be celebrated by the Jews, nor should the memories of, memory of these days die out among their descendants. It is so important for us to carry this good news of Jesus to the next generation, just like what we see in the values that the Jewish people uh, believed. There's a lot of correlation and application that we have to this day, but let's go back to what it's saying right here. This says the word Purim. Maybe you don't, you're not familiar with that term, but it is a celebration that is kept by the Jews, even to this day, every year, just because, just, just like Mordecai had ordered, every year, remember this day. So this is a festival that takes place. It's a minor festival and takes place around February, March. It changes every year. And every year, what they do is they, they gather in the synagogues and they read the book of Esther. And uh, they, they do this to this day. And in the synagogues, they're celebrating this time in their service with the booze and the cheers. And, and uh, you know, so, so every time the word Haman comes up, they go, boo, right? And then when he, Mordecai comes, they're like, yay! Let's try that. Okay, let's do this. Okay, all right, you be ready, okay? Let's be Jews for a second. Maybe there are some in here, but it's okay. Let's, let's read this verse. So I'm reading from verse 23. You got to pay attention. Here you go. So the Jews agreed to continue the celebration they had begun doing what? Mordecai had written to them. Or Haman, the son of Haman, it's working. And Agadite, the enemy of all the Jews had plotted against the Jews to destroy them and had cast the poor, poor. And that is, that is the lot for the, the ruin and the destruction. But when the plot came to the king's attention, he issued written orders that the evil scheme, Haman, had this, all right, 
against the Jews should come back onto their own head, and he and his sons should be impaled to the poles. I mean, this is um, how they celebrated this time to remember what took place and what the calling of courage that that uh, uh, Esther and Mordecai lived out courageously. And because of this, we know the Jews lived. And it is such a big deal. Why? It's because it affects every single one of us here. In the line of that Jewish family, a man was born, our Savior Jesus. And he is our hope. Had it not been for the courage of Esther and Mordecai, or maybe this evil scheme of evil Haman, you don't have to boo at that time, but you know, when, when that, that, that overcame them, then that may have never happened. This is such an important story to us right now, living in the 21st century, because in that line, our Savior was born. See, the morning to celebration, this concept is also the story of Jesus, that He is the one who took our morning and made it into celebration. It happened on Easter morning. Remember that story I shared on Easter where the woman came, and they were mourning, they're crying, they're sobbing, they're coming to the tomb, and they wanted to put incense on them because they were that is a ritual for a person's dead body. So He is coming, the women are coming, gathering, but what they saw was an empty tomb because He has risen. The morning of mourning would turn into a day of celebration that affects us today, even two. Tw- 2,000 years later, the theme of mourning, the celebration, it, is, it has been completed through our, the life of Jesus Christ. Resurrected Jesus will resurrect each and every one of us from the ashes of defeat. And every sorrow that we have, it is through Jesus that He turns into celebration. That is such a good news. And I want everybody, every time we hear that, I want that to get just this brewing up of joy that overflows from the thing because that is the spiritual reality that we have through Jesus Christ in our relationship with Him. He has completely changed our lives. It is no longer the same. And it has completely changed our values. And if, if that Jesus is somebody that is foreign to you, then I want that to be somebody that you could call a friend, just like we sang. And if that is a reality that you want to embrace, even today, if you haven't yet, this could be the day where your life and the trajectory of your life could change forever. The values of your life begins to change and be renewed and completely transformed. And that is the life that we get to live. Amen. Amen. So the Jews, these people, they were once hopeless. They had no future. Annihilation. Did I say that right? Okay, good, because I always missed it. Okay, but that was their life. That was their future. Can you imagine that? You know, your entire people says, you have no more future because you will be dead. Can you imagine what that feels like and experience? Maybe you can. Maybe you can. Maybe not you, but maybe your parents or your grandparents have experienced that. And I'm particularly thinking of my culture, the Japanese culture. And I'm thinking of the, the presidential executive order 9066 of 1942. Where over 120,000 Japanese in this country have been re- had to relocate into these camps. Maybe this brings out such a dark history. But it is something that we read in the book of Esther that this is something that happened just a couple decades ago. 
Maybe it is something that is happening in this world today where an executive order is being done and people are being a target of persecution. And even and in those times, I used to serve at a church called Venice Church. And the, the lead pastor there, his name is Jim Miyabe. His father, John Miyabe, was a, a, past, was a pastor. And also, he was a superintendent of our conference before. But when that time, people like John Miyabe and others got together, and these free Methodist pastors reached out to the Japanese within those camps. And they held worship services together, which brought so much hope. Because in the real world, their hope was gone. But in this camp, they got to see the hope of Jesus Christ. And that light shined into their darkness so much. And for those, that became an opportunity for them to encounter Jesus. You know, that is a, that is a piece of history that I want. We, we, we could always embrace. Maybe you're not part of the Japanese culture, but it is something that we, as this church, is very important to us. And it is when those dark times where Jesus shines through. And I'm sure, you know, maybe we never, some of us, most of us actually never been to those camps, but we can relate to a similar story because we were once trapped in this prison of sin. We were lifeless. We were hopeless because that's all we knew. And that we could relate even to the Jews, even to those Japanese who went into those camps because we were completely, completely hopeless. And that's where Jesus' life came. His love came down to rescue us. The comeback of the Jews in verse uh, chapter 9. I didn't actually read that part, but it is depicted very vividly. It's actually very bloody. And I kind of skipped over for a reason because th- that is, it's gruesome, the reading that we can find, which I hope you could read through this week. But it is, it is so bloody because the Jews, they were completely, uh, you know, they got their strength and they're going after these oppositions and they're killing these people. And you may wonder, why were, why were Esther and Mordecai and the Jews were so persistent on eliminating their opposition? And you may wonder that. But you know, the threat against the Jews were real. They had to be eliminated completely. And, and what does that mean to us? How does that apply to us today? See, I believe we could see that through our, uh, the spiritual lens and see that we must completely eliminate the remnants of our old lives see we there's you know we've been saved god rescued us he pulled us out of our sins and we're living this life that is free but there are times where the old ways of thinking the old ways of living the remnants of sin are still there and we sometimes fall into that and what if we say okay all right i'm 99 saved well i'm 99 good but there's this one percent should we let that go no that 1% could grow and start taking over our lives again, our lifestyles. See, those are the areas where we have to completely be eliminated because Jesus has complete victory in our lives. We can't just let these things hanging. So for that reason, we have to go back and with the power that we receive from Jesus to fight against that daily. It is not something that we could just do once a year, but something that we have to be constantly be mindful of because that is our past. How could we go back to that? How could we go back to the prison of sin? Because we have this victory in Jesus. Our mourning, our sorrow has been completely changed into joy, completely changed into day of celebration. That is why we gather, because we have the good news. We need to be reminded of that, 
how big, how significant, the magnitude of this amazing story of Jesus again and again. We can never be tired of praising His name because that is something that we need to be reminded every single week, and that is why we gather. And why is that so important? Because there are people in this world still do not know that they are free. They could be freed. They're still living in that darkness. They're still trapped in this prison of sin that we used to be in. This world is living in that sin. And how can we turn away from that? Mordecai had a message to free the Jews and to, to share this news all over the city, all over the region, to say we are free at last. Now we too here have that same message to share, the good news that we don't need to keep living in that darkness ever. We have hope in Christ. That is the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And to illustrate that, I have a video, and I hope it works. And I want us to kind of put our minds around. So can we start that? The word gospel translates to news that brings joy. But this isn't just any news. A gospel is news that changes a life forever. After being invaded and enslaved by Persia, Greece won two decisive battles at Marathon and Solus. The Greeks sent out heralds, also called evangelists, to proclaim the good news to the cities. We have fought for you. We have won. And now you're no longer slaves. You're free. The reality is that we are all slaves, slaves to sin and slaves to death. We are slaves in need of good news. Enter Jesus, God's Son, fully God, fully man, bringing news that would change our lives forever. His news was this, I am the divine, come to you to do what you could not do for yourself. I will take what you deserve so you can have what I deserve. You have no idea how much it will cost me, but you also cannot imagine the depths of my love for you. It is a gift that I give freely. So repent. Repent from all the ways you've run from me and follow me. Follow me because I am the only way to eternal life. Follow me because I'm the Savior you've been looking for. Follow me because I have authority over everything, yet I have humbled myself for you. Follow me because I died on a cross for you. Because I'm your true love and your true life. This is my good news for you. This is my gospel that you have been saved by grace and that you are slaves no more. We were once hopeless. We were trapped in this sin. But Jesus was born with a mission to be the sin of all humanity. Your sins and to be that sacrifice, that was his calling, who he lived out courageously. You know, the pressure on him, the weight on him, and the persecution that he endured on the cross was like none other. You can never compare that to anything. But he did not give up because he thought of you and I. Because what he wanted to give you mattered so much to him. You and I mattered on that day where he was walking with that cross. He thought of you. That's why he got up and went to that cross. So that's why he gave, Jesus gave what was his, what was his, the eternal life with God, who he had no problem with, but he thought of us, so he decided to give that to us. 
and took what was ours and did this exchange. We have hope now. And now because of those who received that life in Jesus, we do get to believe in the power of the resurrection, that we are no longer slaves no more. We are free at last from the life of sin and death. He took care of that. Our mourning is now into celebration. We've been saved, not because of anything that you've done, not that w- anything that I've done, but by grace alone. When we experience this love, something stirs up in us, doesn't it? Something happens from within that we cannot contain, compelled to overflow into this world with generosity and also with this good news that we cannot keep to ourselves. Orange Coast, that's why we exist, to be a space where we could all know more of the love that came down for us to rescue us and then to grow in that love so that we could be stronger every day and to be transformed daily. That is why we exist, because we need the reminder. We cannot go back. Our nature will bring us back to the old ways of life. That is why we have to be determined together. We cannot do this alone. Like the Mordecai and Esther and the Jews were determined to eliminate the opposition. We too, as church, must be determined to eliminate the old ways of living. That is why we have small groups and accountability. But let's not stop there. We are here to overflow to share what we have heard that changed our lives into this world. Our weekly challenge this week. Let us, it's kind of long, so please uh, take a picture of this. Let's read Esther 9 and 10. It is bloody, just be warned. But let's, let's reflect upon that. What is God trying to teach us from this? But also reflect upon the themes that you've seen throughout this chapters. What stood out to you the most? And why? That's a good question for you to ask. And then after encountering Jesus, this is the grow piece. Where have you changed the most? And where do you want to see even more growth? If you're not a Christian, what do you hope Jesus to change you today? Change in you. And then overflow. Because of the abundant life and joy that we have in Jesus, who will you bless this week by giving presents of food and to one another and to gifts to the poor? Is very practically applying the message here. And then where will you overflow with the good news of Jesus this week? Let's be mindful of that. Let's continue to go forth and overflow. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who has given us his life and who has given us what deserve, what we did not deserve. And you took away what we deserve, which was death. So, Lord, I ask that in this beautiful exchange, you help us to know that this is something that we need to continue to grow in on our understanding. Help us to do that together as a church and also to overflow with that good news to others. Help us to do practically what you want us to do to the underprivileged and the poor and and the the people that we encounter in our lives daily. Help us as individuals. Help us as this one church together. God, we look to you for this transformation that will continue to take place. The life changes and the mourning into celebration, the sorrow to joy, this complete turnaround that you have been prepared for each and every one of us. We don't want to miss any of that, God. We thank you for this church. Thank you for this worship time. Thank you for the lives that are seeking you and drawing closer to you. Draw us near to you more and more. In Jesus' name, amen.